Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 5th of June 2021. And the title of this episode is The New Marvel TTRPG and its Easter Eggs. I was writing the introduction to Friday's RPG News Summary, which I do after putting the meaty body of the article together and typing the words, It's been a busy week when the Marvel news broke. The movie and comic book powerhouse are getting back into tabletop role-playing games. Hey, if they can make superheroes in space work, they can surely get superheroes on the tabletop to work. Again, that is, as they already have a pretty good track record. I want to distract you with a question first. Yes, another quirky paw. What space job do you think would make a good RPG? That was a question Geeknator's blog readers had to answer to win a copy of Pew Pew Bounty Hunters in Space. And there were six choices to vote for, and I'll give you them in reverse order. Space Bards, and 9.9% of readers voted for that one. And Space Plumbers, 11.9% of readers voted for them. And oh dear, people would rather play as a plumber than as a bard. Space Vets. 11.9, and I thought that one would do better. Space Miners, 16.8. Space Graffiti Artists, 20.8. And the winner, Space Rescue Response, at 28.7%. I've launched a new and always open poll on the site, with those six and one other slot for other. So if you disagree with the competition poll, you can speak up in the new one. Also, keep listening for more competition news. Let's tackle that headline, shall we? Marvel will launch a new RPG. It will probably be called Marvel Multiverse Roleplay Game. I say probably because the full title of what actually been announced is Marvel Multiverse Roleplay Game Playtest Rulebook. And that's due in 2022. And I have to imagine that the results of the playtest, which have not yet been announced, will change things. And a complete RPG is due out for 2023. The game has been written by Matt Forbeck. He wrote Shotguns and Sorcery, a series of novels that then turned into a cipher system RPG by Robert Schwab. And that's a game that's due more love. Forbeck, of course, has written RPGs of his own, including, but not limited to, Mutant Chronicles, and supporting Deadlands and Tales from the Loop. Let's look for Easter eggs, or at the very least, interesting quirks in the text and the decisions made around this newly announced Marvel RPG. And first up, I grinned when Marvel described the game as an evolution of, I quote, the most popular tabletop role-playing games. I'm stressing the S, because by the time you're at the most popular, you're already thinking of D&D, in part because that's correct, but in part because Watsy insists publishers use phrases like that to describe the rule set rather than use the words Dungeons and Dragons. I get that they have to protect their brand, but I dislike the arrogance. I also don't like the use of 5e, as there are other games with 5th editions, the World of Darkness, for example. Pick a better code for D&D, Hasbro or savvy companies like Marvel can use it against you. And there's another connection to D&D in the attributes in the Marvel RPG. And this one is more of an Easter egg. Those attributes are might, agility, resilience, vigilance, ego, 
and logic. They line up with stats like strength, dexterity, constitution, perception, charisma and intelligence, right? But that's not all. The acronym also spells Marvel. And that's one easter egg. Wondering why they don't call it the Marvel system? Well, they've gone with the D616 system instead. And that's a nod to Earth 616. In the multiverse, 616 is the universe variant that most Marvel comics are set. There's even a documentary that explores the cultural impact of comics called Marvel 616. In Thor, The Dark World, in the movie, Dr. Flegg has the phrase 616 universe scribbled on his chalkboard map of the Nine Realms. And there are plenty of others. For example, in The Last Avengers, Scott Lang comes out of a storage locker labelled 616. There's a mention of it in Season 2 of Iron Fist, when police are describing suspects. And perhaps most directly, Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home calls this realm Earth 616. And that's not an easter egg. This one's in plain sight, but this isn't the Marvel role-playing game. This is the Marvel multiverse role-playing game. The company is choosing to highlight the existence of the multiverse in the very name of the product. And that's a good sales idea. Imagine all the spin-offs you can empower by doing that from the outset. Marvel has done RPGs before. They were last active in 2013 when they departed from Margaret West Productions and took Marvel heroic role-playing with them. That caused the RPG to surge to the top of drive through RPG sales chart for a while as fans rushed to buy it while they still could. Speaking of drive through RPG, I think the Marvel RPG is important because of what it might do to retail. Marvel points people at comic book stores as a place to buy the playtest. I imagine Marvel already pitched our products to game stores. This will now ramp up. As it looks as if Fandom's Cortex is not involved in the RPG, which digital markets do you expect to see the game on? Comicology? Itch? drive through RPG? Will Marvel make their own? Which virtual tabletop, if any, will get the license? Will Marvel have an open gaming license? Already lots to think about, and as I said, it's been a busy week, so let's rush on. Let's pick up with this chat about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stay with the big screen for a bit. Infinite stars Mark Wahlberg, whose character discovers his weird visions aren't hallucinations or flashes into virtual reality, but moments from other and infinite lives. I guess we'll find out if these are past lives, a multiverse of its own, or whether he comes back to life with memories changed. The trailer for the first Neil Blomkamp film since critics tore apart Chappie is out. I don't think Chappie was all that bad. I really don't. But I appreciate it was no District 9 either. His film is called Demonic and it looks pretty darn creepy. It was made on a budget, although probably 100 times the budget of actual indie films, and inspired by movies like Paranormal Activity. And it was made during the lockdown. The plot involves a woman in virtual reality who encounters a demon. Hugh Jackman has a movie coming out called Reminiscence. It's set after floods change the world forever and people use virtual reality to escape to their memories. Right, did you notice? There was a virtual reality thread, albeit a stretched one, in all three movies. Each has trailers out this week and on Geek Native. And that's my link to reality mods coming to tabletop games. Foundry 6 is already successful in the space, with millions of people using their tech via Instagram. They're now coming to the virtual tabletop space, specifically the camera chats part of it, 
with a Kickstarter called ARM. ARM is a virtual camera compatible with Discord, Google Meet, Zoom and all the rest. It applies virtual face masks to you and backgrounds to bring augmented reality to your tabletop sessions. I'm not sure the Kickstarter is going as well as they hoped. It's a hard pitch as they're not the only one in the space, but it is another example of the competitive and healthy marketplace. Outside of Kickstarter, and in the realm of It's a Done Deal, Astral Tabletop released their HD cam chat this week. In the announcement, they said what you might be thinking. The camera options on some virtual tabletops are not great. They blame cheap peer-to-peer connections for this, and they say they're going to do it right. They don't say what the difference is, but they say they coded it from scratch. I assume if they're not using peer-to-peer, there's a central hub involved, If so, I wonder if that now means a lot more stress on their servers. Or does Clyde Power not make that much of a problem these days? Astral's HD cam options are not for everyone. You need a GM with either a gold or platinum account to get it. The whole group doesn't need that level of access, just the GM. Of course, it's not only movies and big screens that tie into virtual tabletops. Books do too. The Fateful Force is a forthcoming fantasy novel, and to promote it, the website has a collection of free digital battle maps and a free-to-use token generator. You can find the link on Geek Native, probably just by web searching for The Fateful Force, or via the show notes. I think The Fateful Force is an indie project, and so I'm happy to find it and recommend it. Now, this next one isn't an indie project. It's published by Osprey, who are part of the Mighty Bloomsbury, but I'm also happy to recommend Jackals, Bronze Age Fantasy Roleplaying. It's a light D100 system and a great world from John Matthew DeFoggy. It manages to be both narrative and OSR, which might confuse some people until they read the book, and it does depend on which definition of, of OSR you prefer. However, I would say it's narrative because of the story, and it's OSR because of the rule system, tables and flavour. I've also been able to share lots of free downloads this week. Let's run through some fairly quickly. First up, ahead of a Kickstarter launch, there's a free quick start for the D&D 5e-powered Bloodsword. The game has been written by Dave Morris and Oliver Johnson and is based on the 80th gamebook. You'll be a mercenary working for the ruling Knights of Legend and therefore sent on dangerous tasks, including, but not limited to, looking for fragments of the Bloodsword. Thanks to Patreon supporters, Monkey DM has released the 5e-powered Scales of Justice. That's a beginner-friendly adventure with a moral choice for characters to face. Outside D&D and into Savage Worlds, Knight Errant Media has expanded the world of Titan Effect with the bio-augmented soldier rules. These rules have been long requested by fans, and I sense that designer Christian Nome may have been waiting for the official PEG Superpowers Companion for Savage Worlds, but gave up and published a free download anyway. Now, it's back to D&D, at least in part, because I also want to highlight The Dread from Venger's Decks. It's an encounter pack made possible by patrons and it includes maps, monsters and even sound effects. While the stats are for 5e, there's a lot in this freebie that you can use for whatever system you fancy. And since we've come back to D&D, let's stay there for a bit longer. I can tell you that Wizards of the Coast have re-released the complete starter set Advanced Dungeons and Dragons game 2nd edition as a digital download and drive-through RPG. They must have finally got scans of good enough quality. 
but interestingly, they're having to tell people that the download doesn't actually come with the dice mentioned on the cover scan. Imagine being part of DriveThruRPG's customer care team if that's what people think. And it's not going to be a good month for that team. DriveThruRPG has had to announce big price rises are coming to the cost of premium colour books. We're not talking about PDS, black and white or any other option, it's just the top tier. And it looks to be an issue with the quality they want versus what the printers can offer. We were hoping that maybe there'd be a price fall for other books to compensate, but apparently if there have been any wins on production costs, they aren't large enough to impact prices. But hey, at least Through RPG will go through all this to facilitate print and demand in the first place. In all my chat about RPG marketplaces, there are very few others who even bother. I, hand in heart, do think DriveThruRPG tries to be helpful to publishers whenever they can. And in the spirit of being helpful to publishers, and as it's the start of the month, Geek Native patrons can vote for the July 2021 RPG Publisher Spotlight. There are five candidates. Imperial Media Productions, Kronarga Games, a Crooked Staff Publishing, Inkwell Ideas, and Paths to Adventure. Samurai Sheepdog won this month, and right after publishing this, I'll let them know. Other efforts worthy of a bit of spotlight are those conventions bravely trying to open in Meatspace or run digitally. As ever, please check out the Geek Native Conventions calendar or make recommendations for it. The three events that I highlighted at the start of the week are Women Plus RPG Con, Utaku Con, and Game Hall Con which isn't due until October, but publishers like Monty Cook Games are already recruiting GMs for it. Now, Women Plus RPG Con is a digital event for loads of people, including women and gender fluid. Now, I did allude that you should keep listening to get competition news, so let's get around to that. I have a digital copy of Paranormal Affairs Canada to give away. You will need a copy of Fate to play, but Fate is a free download. In Paranormal Affairs Canada, you're an agency agent, who works hard to keep calendar and the world safe, free from supernatural threats. Lastly, as it's become a bit of an audio EXP podcast tradition, let's look at some bundles. For $60 on itch, you can get 235 indie computer games from queer designers and developers. The money goes to support them, and some desperately need it. An even bigger bundle is a pay at least $5 for 1,020 games and support Palestine Aid. There are computer games, art, music, and tabletop games in that. The Bundle of Holding has two deals, one for the sci-fi classic Traveller in the second edition flavour from Mongoose. And lastly, on drive through RPG, Wizards of the Coast have put a bundle together. It's for Gamma World 1st Edition. I speculated whether this makes Gamma World more likely to be one of the classic D&D settings that Wizards are hoping to bring back. I'm sure it's a contender irrespective of what happens in drive through RPG, but I can certainly see people are still interested in the post-apocalyptic setting. And on that note, let's wrap there. Let's hope this isn't all a great virtual reality hallucination, and I'll see you next week.